So the big question is this. How do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that the top agents hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's real estate environment? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Pat Hyben, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. And now, for the review of the day. Got a great review of the new Certified Real Estate Mogul series at Rebus University. The Certified Real Estate Mogul was an excellent primer to the world of real estate. This course brought a lot of new information to me that I did not know. Education in the real estate field is always needed all the time. One needs to stay ahead of the trends and the new concepts. Thank you. Hey, uh, if you haven't checked that out, you need to. And I got a special coupon for you. Just go to CREM50, CREM, Certified Real Estate Mogul 50. And there's five modules here in this course. Now, I'm going to give you 50% off if you buy all five or 50% off if you just buy one, like single family homes, flipping. That includes Airbnbs and all types of rentals. Or if you buy how to syndicate apartments, or if you buy shopping centers and commercial uh, buildings, whatever it is you decide to buy, you can take get 50% off. All you got to do is CREM50. Thank you for the review. This is awesome. Keep the comments coming, guys. I love them. And remember, I eat feedback for breakfast. So give me a one-star review if you want, or a five-star review if you want. I don't care. And the more reviews we get, the better guests we get. So please, subscribe first and then leave us a review or wherever you're listening. All right, Rockstar Nation, I got a great guest today. I got Danae Judd on the line and uh, she is crushing things and we are going to find out how and what and get in some nitty-gritty with her so danae welcome to real estate rock stars hey pat how are you good to be here hey why don't you tell everybody about yourself so they can get to know you better okay so i live in the dc metro area northern virginia i've been here for about 20 years originally from philly i have um, four well we're a blended family but four grown children at this point I've been in real estate for about 13 years and I love flipping homes as well. I've been doing that for several years and, you know, have made a good career out of it. So uh, that's kind of what I do. And before real estate, you were a loan officer, right? I was. I actually got into the industry initially being a loan officer. Uh, the idea of sales, when people told me, oh, you'd be good at sales, the word sales just kind of didn't resonate very well with me. So I, I waited a few years and then eventually I got myself into it. So what, what made you go from, from lending to selling? You know? Well, at the point, it was the downturn of the market. Things were happening. Things were crashing. So I kind of made a strategic move and took my network that I had made in the, realist, or in the lending industry and transferred it over to real estate. So when I started initially, I was an REO foreclosure agent for banks. That was a smart transition, right? So yeah. you went from being a lender and understanding that to saying, okay, now I'm gonna now I got my real estate license and and I'm gonna work for you and I, I speak your language. And then what'd you right. do? You just started calling on them and getting accounts with them and 
Well, I took a lot of the networks that I had, people that I knew that I needed to know in the lending world, and I had them connect me with the account managers and the asset managers and built the relationships there so that I could establish my reputation within that world and get the listings that way. That's awesome. And now today, do you do any REOs? I don't know. I, I actually got out of it. I started to see that market drawing up probably about a year before the bulk of it hit, the bulk of it dried up. And I knew that we would all try to be get, trying to get into the traditional market at the same time. So I was trying to make another strategic move of getting ahead of the game and kind of getting my name out there before everyone else was going to. That's awesome. So you're, you, you, you kind of watch the markets and try to shift with them and go where the money's flowing. So the question is, what's next? Right. Always adapt to what the market's telling you. Where yeah. do you think the market's going to go in the next, next five or 10 years? Well, I think it's, there's a lot uh, in the market. It's kind of a crazy time we're in right now. So we haven't seen a lot of it. The thing that I find myself saying the most to agents, I, I find everyone so worried about the technology game, these big giant, these big names, we all know them. They're out there to take our jobs. And I think the one thing that I saw and try to get better at is the one arena that they cannot touch us is the relationship we have with our client. We can't beat them in technology. We don't have the money. We don't have the, the, the resources, but we can beat them in the relationship. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you think more and more, and I agree with this, more and more the relationship with the client is going to be important to real realtors. Otherwise, you're going to lose your job to a robot or you're going to lose your job to a discount brokerage or, or, or the internet. Yeah, I think that we've taken it for granted. I think that if realtors, we can look at the realization that we've taken the last decade in real estate for granted and you really have to hone in on your craft. You have to know what you're talking about. You have to be innovative. You have to be able to give the consumer something they can't find online. And you have to be trustworthy. Like you have to get good at your craft. You need to be trustworthy. That's everybody should Absolutely. write that down. I am trustworthy. You need to be trustworthy. All right, cool. So let's let's get into some nitty gritty on you, Danae. Um, so how many houses have you sold in the last 12 months? So in the last 12 months, I've sold 39 homes and roughly 20 million in commissions. Okay. Or not commissions. Sorry. 20 million in volume. And then what was your, <laughs> what was your ECI, as we like to call it, your ego commission income? What, 20 million, what'd you make in commissions? Roughly 500,000 gross. Okay. Half a million bucks. So what's your profit margin? I usually run about 70, high 60s to 70% as a profit. And, that, and that's pretty high. Right. So what is your, how do you make your team? You know, it's hard enough for agents nowadays to get over 50%. So you're pretty high. Do you have a team? Is it just you? You know, what do, what do you, what do you and do you not spend money on? Sure. So I have developed teams and have failed multiple times at it. I think the biggest lesson that I learned as I was building a team was I was dividing instead of multiplying. So I would bring someone on and I would just hand over instead of leveraging myself out in a smart way of doing all of the 80% stuff that I shouldn't be. I kind of jump in like most people because the, if you ever read like the MRAA book, it says to hire your first assistant and then your second. But I find that not only myself, most agents jump in and immediately want to hire a buyer agent. And we find that that's the way to leverage ourselves out. Right. Well, this is cool. And I never heard anybody say that before, by the way, dividing instead of multiplying. So yeah. keep talking about how, how you were dividing, because this is a mistake that people need to look out for. 
Sure, absolutely. So I learned that what I was doing as I was getting busier, I was getting just desperate for someone to help me service the client. So I brought in an assistant, if you will, who was a buyer agent, and I looked at him as an assistant. And instead of leveraging myself out for the stuff that I wasn't necessarily good at that was taking most of my time, I was giving away my business to my buyer agent, assistant, whatever you want to call them. And I was dividing because everything that they were doing was business that I was giving to them instead of teaching them how to get their own business. So therefore, I was making less and they started making more. Yeah. And that, and that is a big fear, right? And that's probably the reason why most people don't develop teams or initially at least because they figure, you know, then I'm going to lose money. But I think a lot of them get to the point where like I'm okay losing money so long as I have more free time or so long as I have more profit. And, and that's the, I guess that's the, that's the question that you need to answer. Does this give you A, more free time and or B, more profit because if it doesn't, then you you need to figure out another way to do it or just not have a team. Well, I think that the correct way to have the team is kind of the way they teach you. I don't know if it's ego or what. It, I think that I find that for myself and most agents that I talk to, initially we're afraid of giving up control. We feel like all of the clients need to see us. We need to have our hands in the entire transaction and we don't have the money. We can't afford an assistant. We can't afford the actual monthly obligation that's going to be coming out consistently because we have these seasons in real estate. So we pull at this buyer agent and we just start giving them things and we find ourselves being able to do less because now we have ourselves and this other agent servicing a client and the back end of stuff still needs to be handled, but we haven't filled that role yet. So I think when I learned that, okay, there's a reason they teach the model and I need to stop trying to take a shortcut that's when I started leveraging for the things that I wasn't necessarily good at, giving up that control, finding someone that I trusted to give that over to, and then build it the right way so that I could keep more of my income doing it smartly. Yeah. And so do you have agents you refer buyers to now, or do you keep them all yourself? No, I definitely. So if when it's my close circle and people that have called me personally, I keep them. When um, I've developed a script and it's all about kind of the handoff, you know, letting people know how the team work, how the structure, mm -hmm. what they should expect. I find that then they're not because consumers don't really know how the real estate realm works. We all think they do, but they don't. They just want to know that they're going to be taken care of. So I find that when you give that expectation up front, it's easier to kind of hand them off. So this is a great conversation because it seems like a lot of buyers, I mean, a lot of agents nowadays get a buyer agent just because it's like a cool thing to do. Right. Yeah, I think- You know what I mean? It's like real estate team. sort of, it raises their stock price in their minds. Right, right. Um, and I'm finding that um, there are agents like yourself that have high profit margins, right? I mean, if you had, you know, six buyer agents, it, 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 there's no way you'd have a 70-30 split. Right. Because your cost of goods sold was gonna, is going to lower that. So- I'm finding more and more agents that are, you know, doing something similar to you where, you know, the really good solid leads where they know it's going to be more elf, easy, lucrative, and fun, right? The people are going to be fun to work with. They trust them. They know they're going to buy or, or they're buying up their listing and then buying. So there's a two big fat commissions in it. They keep themselves and then they'll either have a couple, one, two buyer agents or none and just refer them out to other agents in their office. Mm 
and get a referral fee. That way they're not beholden to feeding a buyer agent. Because a lot of people hire a buyer agent just to be cool. And then they end up, the buyer agent is like, I don't, you're not getting me enough leads. So then they're getting boomtown and they're getting, you know, different things and Zillow. And then next thing you know, they, their expenses are 10 grand higher than they were six months ago because they're trying to feed that buyer agent. Right. So tell, me, tell me what you've done. I think I've kind of done it all. So I think what I was noticing in, in my attempts to build a team initially was that you bring these agents on, you develop them, you train them, you give them everything. And because I was making it so easy on them, they get this, oh, I can do this. And then they, it's like a rotate, rotating door. And I hear that across the board, right? So you develop these agents and then you lose them because they want to go out and develop their own team or their solo or whatever. And you end up losing the relationship and the transaction with it. Because although teams can say, oh, it's my lead, I get to keep it. A lead is a person. So ultimately, that person's going to decide who they want to go to. You don't have control over that person. Amazing read for agents who want to blow their business up. Six Steps to Seven Figures was an amazing read. Pat breaks it down into simple, actionable steps that have taken will almost guarantee seven-figure success in the real estate sales business. Couldn't recommend this enough. Wow, thank you for the awesome Amazon review, Garo215. Now, do you want to get your hands on this book for free and blow your business up? Here's how. Go to freesixstepsbook.com. That's free, S-I-X, stepsbook.com right now. Or simply text the word PAT to 444-999. That's text PAT to 444-999 and I'll send you a free book. So I noticed that my, my budget, you know, my profit margin was way less. Uh, as I said, I was dividing instead of multiplying. I was giving all these expenses and then you would hear all the excuses of, well, I don't have enough business or this lead didn't work because of this or these leads suck because of this or whatever. And so you're, then you are chasing systems and you're spending all this money and the conversion's still not there. And so it's like, you know, and then I stepped back and said, okay, what is it? And I think that's what you're saying. A lot of agents are starting to change the way they're doing things because I stepped back and said, I could make, I could keep a lot more of my money and have a lot less of a headache and do with things differently that I'm enjoying more. And that's kind of what I decided to do. So again, I have staff that leverages me out on the back end. I'm not good at that stuff, you know, but then I'm the, the leads that I want to take and that I can handle and make sure I'm doing a great job on, I'll take those. And then the other ones I have people that I can hand those off to as well. And it's just not the traditional I – I never like to build a team on ego. I see a lot of teams that have all of these agents – and when you ask the agents, they're all starving. And it's like, well, what's, what's the point really, you know? And so I just don't believe in that method. I believe that if there's going to be a team, you need to be accountable to each of your team members and be able to make sure that you can teach them how to go out there and fish for their own business. It's not about, I don't think the value of a team is leads necessarily. I think that if you're joining a team for leads and leads only, then you're probably doing it for the wrong reason. So that's not... Yeah, and and they, that, those wrong reasons could be there's there's a lot of them, but a lot of them people do it because they're it's fun. 
They're like, Absolutely. oh, yeah, have fun with the team. It, it strokes them, you know? Yeah, I think the collaboration, uh, the accountability, the just camaraderie, feeling like you're a part of something, I think all of that is exciting. I yeah. think if you're going somewhere because you think that you're going to have all of your answers given to you and that you don't need to put in the work, I think that's where a lot of the team leaders struggle because it's, it's hard work. It's hard work. A te- having a team makes it easier if you're still willing to do the work. Yeah. Okay. So 39 deals, uh, last 12 months. Like how many of those did you work yourself? Those were my deals. All so, of them. Yeah. All the 39 were so mine. Basically you're just, you're a solo agent at this point. So we've had a team yourself. Yeah. As a team, we did roughly as a team, we had four agents over the last 12 months and we did roughly 50 million as a team. So the, my partner and I had done an equal amount of business and then we've, Kind of had an equal amount of production. Okay, so you have a partner, right? Well, I had a partner. Okay, so that, that, that okay, because I was getting confused. So okay, so right now it's just you. Right now it is yes. And you so you, and you don't have agents. You don't have a team. It's just for the you. first for the first time in about eight years. That is correct. Or just over the last couple of months, I've made some moves. So I'm just in the process of developing that again. Okay, I got it. I got it. Okay. So those 39 deals are all yours. And I commend you on that. That's, uh, you know, three and a half, four a month, which is, you know, not easy to keep track of, right? And do it all. So like what technology, what phone apps, what are you using to, 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 to keep your stuff together? So the system that I really like is contextually. And the reason that I like that system is because I'm the type of person, I'm, I'm always on the go. So if I've had a conversation or an email exchange with somebody, Contactually just pulls that information in and all I have to do is organize it or categorize it. If I have to remember to manually place someone in a system, it probably doesn't happen. Uh, but then I link them all together. So I've, I use Follow-Up Boss. Um, Trello is a system that, that I've built out to handle the, the back-end transaction management. Again, it's more of a visual. I'm a visual person. Where can I find everything on the right? And then I have uh, spreadsheets that I've developed. It's kind of easier old school that I've developed to kind of keep track of things. Um, in regard to apps, I'm not, I'm not a very exciting person when it comes to that. I will say, and this is probably really boring to a lot of people, but the scanner app has saved me tremendously. Just being able to convert something into a PDF and send it real quick. Cause I'm also the type, if I don't, if I don't do it in that moment, a lot of times I'll forget. Which one do you use? Cause I, I use this one prime scanner, but it's kind of a pain in the ass because all these ads show up on it. Uh, I think right now I'm using fast scanner. Fast scanner. Does fast it have scanner. ads and on I've it? Used, no, no. And I've used I'm gonna change that. before. It's just, it's amazing. Yeah. I don't, I don't do ads very well. So no. That's yeah. They're hard to get rid of when they pop up on your phone. So exactly. yeah. So I'm going to get that one because I, I, I use it a lot too. You know, I mean, it's, there's nothing worse than having to go lift the lid and scan something. If you're not at the office, you could just, it's cool that you can right. take a picture of it or put it on your phone and it shows up and you email it to somebody and you're like, oh, okay, I just scanned that to you. Right. I find that's the one that I tell most people about. So that one and then Canva. Canva has an app. It's just a graphic design. If you don't know about it, it's just easy graphic design to put something together that's visually pleasing. And then you can kind of get out there on social media or whatever you're trying to do with that. So that's been very helpful as well. All right, cool. So let's talk about money. Let's talk about getting business, right? So, so, uh, 39 deals, how many were listings? How many were buyers? I, 
pretty even 50 50 on my listings versus buying. Really? Yeah. Okay, so where's the business coming from? I, so I farm my demographic. I farm my past clients in my sphere. So I'm not really a geographic farmer, but I'm, I'm farming them constantly. You're farming people that you have sold houses to or that you know. Yes, correct. Okay, so, and would you say pretty much all the 39 deals came from that? I would say a couple of them I find from, I get Zillow calls because people see the profile, they see the reviews, they see the testimonials. Um, it's important to build your Zillow profile even if you're not a premier agent or paying them. A lot of people look there. So when you have a past client, past sale, you want to go into Zillow and you want to claim that past sale. It's going to show how many you've done over the last 12 months, you know, and it, but if you're not adding them, it's going to show that you've done nothing. A lot of people go to Zillow. So if they see your ad or they see a postcard or they see whatever, they're researching you. So a lot of times I'll get phone calls from, from that. Um, but most of my business is from past clients, sphere referral. Wow. Okay. So what, how, let's just say how, how do you farm specifics like your process? So specifically I have at Keller Williams and I'm no longer with Keller Williams, but at Keller Williams, they taught you like a 33 touch, meaning you have to have a system in place for how you're keeping in touch with your clients or your sphere or whoever your target audience is 33 times out of the year. A lot of it for me these days is social media. So I'm making sure that I constantly, they say that the statistic I think is that every 17 days, people forget that you're a real estate agent. So I'm on social media a lot telling stories and I'll tell a story and you know, every once in a while I'll make a, um, a statement that, to remind them a realtor. I'm never like, oh, congratulations to my clients that sold this home or look at me, I've just done this. I'm telling a story that provokes an emotion that reminds people that I'm in the business. And then when they like it, it's kind of a web, web and everyone else starts to follow you. I also am pretty big on videos um, and I'm just starting this. Uh, I've got a lot of clients excited about it. So in my flipping, I have learned a lot about what works and what doesn't work. And so a lot of my sellers, what they like is that I'll go in and say, okay, what is it that we can do to this house on a very limited budget to really maximize the return on investment? And we'll go in and we'll identify, and then I have the, the vendors and the contractors and everything else that I help them manage. So I'm kind of filming a, um, if you will, a series about what to do and what not to do when selling, or even buyers who are um, if they're not looking for, they can't afford the turnkey property, but they buy something with an outdated kitchen or an outdated bathroom, I show them, I've helped them visualize what that could look like. And then I give them the network and the materials to make that happen on a very limited budget so that they actually save on their equitable position and they make more in the long run. So I'm doing that and that's been taken. I've kind of put that out to my sphere as well. And I've got a lot of people interested in getting involved in that video series. Wow. Okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so what, uh, and, and, and I love this 17 days. I think a lot of agents think, you know, they'll forget about me in six months, maybe a year, 17 days, they'll forget who their real estate agent is. That's yeah, kind of crazy. Yeah. You've got to imagine, think about all of the content that comes at you every day, you know, especially when the majority of people are spending most of their days on social media. Think about everything that they're seeing every single day. If they're not being reminded by you, it's like 
clients that go into an open house, you have to hit them at the right time. So there's always phases of the journey to buying and selling, and you have to constantly be reminding them along that journey that what you do. As a member of the Rockstar Nation, you may have noticed that every guest that comes on the show now is required to bring with them a free tool, an item of utility that real estate agents can use to drastically increase their sales and profits. Some of the things that have been brought have been ebooks, forms, reports, negotiating techniques, hiring guides, postcards, checklists, open house secrets newsletters that are sent out sphere of influence forms referral request forms and the list goes on and on if you would like to get this free toolbox full of items of utility simply go to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox that's hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply text toolbox to 444-999 that's toolbox to 444-999 Okay. All right. So, so what else are you doing to, to build this, you know, massive sphere of influence uh, business and, and keep it? Sure. So I find that if I'm the connector of people, I often tell times, I often tell people and remind them that I'm not just a realtor. I'm here to connect them with anything. So if I've got a client who needs to be connected with a certain type of specialist for their child, or I've got a client who needs to be connected with a CPA or, or whatever it might be. If I've got a client who's looking for a vacation property in Florida, not a property, but a rental or something. I'm always trying to be the connector so that people are always looking to me to help them with what their needs are. Um, and then client parties are a big one for us. So I'm always having in a couple of weeks, um, I think next weekend we're doing Cox Farms, which is just a big farm we have around here that has a fall festival in the fall. And I invite all of my clients who can invite their friends and we do just this big day at Cox Farm. So there's face painting and there's door prizes and there's all of these things. And then they're introducing me to their friends. So I'm getting to know them. Um, I go to birthday parties. I go to baby showers. I go to weddings. I just got a wedding uh, invitation yesterday for a client. And then I'm, I'm integrating with their circle and their people and I'm making friends, I'm becoming friends with them. So as I go to these parties, I get to know more and more people. And sometimes I'll go to a party nowadays where literally everybody there has been a client or is, knows that they're going to be a client in the future. So it's pretty cool to get into that. But I'm just developing friendships. It's what I love to do naturally anyway. Um, so I'm just making it a purposeful effort of doing that. And it's really been helpful. And, and so how often, how often are you doing these things? Uh, you know, what are some, ex what are more examples? How are you letting people know? Talk to me about the, the, the whole shebang. Sure. So for instance, at our Cox Farms party, we have that. And then usually in December, we'll do a breakfast with Santa and we'll tie that into a charitable cause. So like toys for tots so that they, if they bring a toy for tot, um, then they can have breakfast with Santa and this huge breakfast buffet. One of the door prizes at the, at the, at the fall festival um, will have a big door prize. So last year it was a family photo session of a professional photographer in the area. And we say, take a photo of your family around the park somewhere, tag us on Facebook, and then the one with the most likes wins this prize. So as they're, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So as they're doing that, it starts spreading. We're, we're here with 
this real estate, an AJAD real estate agent, and they're taking a, a fun picture and they're, fr- they're getting their friends to engage so that the most liked photo wins. And then other people are asking, well, my realtor doesn't do that. Or how can I get in on that? And, you know, and then you start getting a following that way. Um, so that's been really helpful. I think the other thing for me is I've never, I let people come to me with conversations. So I'm at these gatherings. I'm not trying to, in fact, it's funny because when they say, oh, how do you know so-and-so? It's like, oh, well, I was their realtor. And then they kind of get that look like they don't want to talk to you anymore because they think you're going to sell them. So as soon as I see that look, I just start laughing. And I, I say that, like, don't worry, I'm not here to sell you. And it just makes them kind of ease into the conversation a little bit more. But I am, so I've got a circle of girlfriends that started out as clients and refer me all the time. And that circle grows larger because it's just, um, it's just a a massive network. Um, And the other day we went, or the other week we went, I did a ladies night and I did, um, we went to like a board and brush type of thing where we're making crafts and I invite everybody there, but it's just things like, 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 okay, so this is cool and this is important. So They started out as clients mm-hmm. and then you chose them, right? Right. To be friends. And you chose them to be friends by um, inviting them to cool stuff and do stuff together as friends, right? right? And so, how many would you say are in this contingent of ladies, right, that, that started out as clients that are now friends? So, what's interesting. I can, when I look back to the very first um, client who's such a great referrer, it was a parent couple that then referred me to their son and then their daughter. Their daughter and I became good friends and their daughter then referred me to somebody else who then referred me to somebody else. So when I, that circle alone probably is at least half of my business. And that circle has just grown. So when I say if I wanted to do a ladies night and get these girls together I mean, it's even grown in this past year. It's, it's kind of hard to say how many there are, but I think in a moment's notice, 10 of us could get together and just go have a, you know, a, a glass of wine or something at a bar. Right. So let's say you do the wine and, and painting or whatever. You're like, mm-hmm. hey, let's do this or this cool thing. Do you pay? On the ladies' nights, I do not. No. It's, don't, you don't pay? No, not on those. This is just us going out as friends. But you're just you're just – I think people uh, don't understand friendship really. A lot of people don't, right? Because in, in order to to have a friend, you need to be a friend. Right. And a lot of people I find are not assertive. A lot of people will show up to parties, but very few people have parties. A lot of people, will, right. if, if you say, hey, I'm going to watch the Capitals game, you know, at this bar or whatever, or hey, I'm going to go to this paint, uh, wine and, and paint thing. You know, people will show up, but it's usually one in a hundred of your friends that are the ones that are getting people to show up to these things. You know what right. I mean? It's, it's, right. And if you could be that person, if you could be whatever you want to call it, the party planner, the trip planner, whatever, it, I think it doesn't make your friends less of a friend because they're not the ones that, pushes these things and, and it ends up being a great way for you to get business is what I'm, what I'm getting at. Am I making sense? Yeah. I think that we forget as real estate agents that people come to us in their best and worst of times, right? Their most vulnerable times. And in that, 
if you're, if you're coming from a place of being a person and not just a professional, this real estate agent who's, it's not a transaction, it's a relationship-based thing, you learn a lot about these people, right? And so, because as, as you're going through the process, you've got to observe them. You've got to observe their verbal cues, their nonverbal cues. You've got to help coach them along, you know, in the transaction and what they want, what they're not, because we're not selling granite countertops and new construction. We're selling an emotion. We're selling a lifestyle. Mm, I love it. We're helping them with their next. And in that, I, I, you, you share so much and so I share myself and then you just develop this bond. And I think that's what, that's what I love about it. That's what I'm passionate about. And it just continues. I think the number, one of the biggest complaints is that people feel like they're a number that they never hear from their agent again after the transaction. And I think that's where we miss the opportunity is the opportunity. It's kind of like when you say lead gen, the sale is in the follow-up. It's post-close. The, the friendship and the referral is in the fall. It's in the post-close. It's in the relationship that continues to happen after the sale. Wow. And, and therein lies, you know, how you get very loyal people too, right? They're like, Absolutely. no, I'm, I'm going to use Danae. Because they get offered from other people. Hey, you know, you're thinking about moving. Hey, you know. Absolutely. Can I give you a market analysis. Can I talk to you? No, I'm going to use Danae. I'm good friends with Danae. Absolutely. 100%. And, and usually when someone says that, they, they pretty much stop bugging them. Right. Well, because they're so passionate about it. When, when you have someone who trusts you and is loyal to you, they're passionate about the referral to you. It's not just, oh yeah, I've got this agent. It's no, you have to use Danae and here is why. And they're talking again to their closest friends. And what, and what do they say? What, like, so, what does that sound like? I've asked my clients that recently um, because I've asked the question, like, what makes me different? And a lot of what I get back from my feedback from my clients is, you care. Uh, we trust you. We felt like you were coaching us. We felt like you were our friend the entire time. You, we never doubted you. I oftentimes talk people out of homes more than I'll talk them into it because it's like you guys are settling or I see this isn't the one for you. People, I know my stuff, but it's more than that. It's that people genuinely felt like they don't have to worry about anything while they're in the transaction, that I've got it under control and that they can trust me. I think trust, we hit on this early, but trust is the number one thing. If people feel like they can trust you, they will do anything for you. They want to help. That says a lot, and 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 you know, here's the thing, and this is this is interesting, and I'm gonna I'm gonna just go ahead and ask you this. Um, there's a big debate going on right now because, and I know I know there's some some really funky stuff happened in Northern Virginia actually with with uh, an agent that did something, and uh, it's it's been brought up on the show uh, with co-op commissions, right? With co-op commissions dropping or changing, let's just say, and I'm not gonna get into exact numbers, but. So there's been two schools of thought with agents that I've seen that have come on this show. And one school of thought is I don't care about that because I get a buyer broker agreement signed up front and it says what my fee is and then the buyer will pay the difference. If there's a lower co-op, then it says on the buyer broker agreement. And then another school of thought is, listen, I'm in it for my clients and not myself. And and if I end up with a lower co-op, then 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 that's that's okay, right? I'm not going to um, charge my client more money because they want a particular house. So where do you fall on that? Sure. So I never, I, I take the philosophy that I didn't get into this business for the money. I don't do things for the money. I find that if you're taking care of your clients, you never have to worry about the money. I find that in general, if you take care of, you help enough people get what they want, you'll get what you want kind of thing. 
So in the beginning of my relationship with my clients, and as I'm going over the buyer brokerage agreement, I often point out three different paragraphs, one of them being the compensation. And I do because we do have to have in that buyer brokerage agreement, the compensation stated clearly. I do tell them that I will never, the only reason they would be responsible for my commission is if we find a for sale by owner who was not willing to deal with the cooperation of a buyer agent. In that scenario, I give them an opportunity to explore the for sale by owners prior to getting into relationship with me because I wouldn't want a scenario where it was a surprise and we didn't know. But I feel like that's fair to say, hey, listen, I can't handle this transaction. I can't be a party to it because we do need to make money for E&O and different things. But if I'm presented with, if I have 3%, for instance, or whatever in a buyer brokerage agreement and the, and the co-op agent on the MLS is saying something different, I've never gone back to my client. I mean, that's the quickest way. And I get it, you know, that technically the tech, technical side of it, but that's the quickest way to never, ever have a referral. Never. It's the quickest way to lose the momentum and the emotion and the relationship that you've built. I mean, it's not so I understand that it's there. I'm not saying it's wrong. It's just not the way I do it. So if it's there and it's, they find a home that they're in love with for, you know, a percentage less or a half percentage less, I'm not going to say, guys, I can't show you that house because I've never done that. I, I, it's just not me. It's not why I do it. And, and that probably falls into why you get that statement from people because you can be trusted, right? Like you can, I think that builds a certain level of trust when you, I think you lose trust actually when, when agents Absolutely. get, when they get commission breath. I mean, there's, there's agents that sue each other over, all the time over, you know, procuring cause and commissions and all that stuff like that. And then at the end of the day, the, the poor clients stuck right in the middle and could care less, you know? Right. So, and, and then I think you lose trust when you do that. So, yeah. Now, I will say, if there's a problem between what the, what the other agent put on the MLS and what's actually happening at the closing, I'll take that up later. But oh, yeah. No, and that, and that generally you have, that's between you and the broker because when the broker puts it on the MLS, it, right. it's a contract. But, but the client never has to hear about that. I just think- Right, the client, yeah. Right, that's what I'm saying. A lot of people get their client involved, be like, hey- right you know, this buyer broker's agreement says X and this co-op is Y and you got to pay the difference if you want this house. Right. Right. No, I don't. And it's the same. I do the same for listing agreements. I won't take a listing unless I feel like my clients are going to listen to me and I won't take an overpriced listing. If I don't, if I'm not confident in my ability to sell it, I won't take it. So I don't charge, not saying it's wrong. It's just not how I do it. I don't charge an early termination fee. I feel like if I'm not doing my job, if things change, if they don't like me, whatever, they shouldn't be stuck in contract with me. If I felt that I had to worry about them or that I wasn't going to be able to, you know, meet the expectation, then I, I won't take the listing. And you don't get upset when in a, in a sending market, when, you know, uh, another agent comes in and says they could get more and you're like, mm, I, maybe I shouldn't have been so honest with them. Has that ever happened? Have you ever gotten upset like that? Um, I get disappointed. I mean, I, I can think of a few times where we weren't able to, you know, come, to, we weren't able to get the result that we wanted. And there were a couple of changes that needed to be made. And for whatever reason, they didn't want to make them. And here comes a new agent with a fresh perspective and they list it for the same price you told them to list it for and they sold it. You know, that, that stuff happens. But I learn, I think of it more as a learning lesson. Like what could I have done differently there? How could have I set the expectation differently? 
you know, and I think that helps me grow in my career instead of looking at it while I, you know, getting mad about it. There's no point in that. Yeah, no, I like it. I like your universal perspective, right? It's all, it's all, what is it really about? And right. You know, that, that, yeah. that's great. So, so let's uh, wrap this up talking about your free gift, Danae. What free gift have you brought our listeners today? Sure. So the free gift that I provided is a pipeline. Um, it's an Excel spreadsheet, but it's all formulated and has all the cells. And basically for me, it helps me keep track of my, who I have in the works, who I have on the horizons that's maybe not ready today, who is active, who's pending, and my close so that I can see at any given time what my commission is, what my projections are, and not forget about who I'm dealing with. It's just a quick tool that's, whether you're a brand new agent or a very experienced agent, it's just a, a quick tool that you can glance at and understand exactly where your business is. That's awesome, guys. And listen, I'm going to put that with all of Danae's information on hybendigital.com backslash Danae Judd, and it's D-E-N-A-E, D-E-N-A-E-J-U-D-D, hybendigital.com backslash Danae Judd. And also, I'm going to put that in our agent success toolbox, which can be found at hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or texting the word toolbox to 444-999. That plus over 100 other items of utility will be found in the toolbox. Danae, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for being so candid and for sharing everything with us today. And uh, definitely if I'm in the Northern Virginia area in the near future, uh, we'll have to get together and break some bread. Absolutely, Pat. would love it. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to Real Estate Rockstars. If this free content is giving you a ton of value, I want to ask a small favor in return. I need you to pull out your pointing finger and hit the subscribe button. Yes, hit subscribe, please. The more subscribers that we get on Real Estate Rockstars, the better guests are attracted to the shows. We'll get more guests from the top companies, from the top teams, and even more celebrity guests like Robert Kiyosaki and Barbara Corcoran. Also, if you're not a member of our free Facebook group, go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio right on Facebook and join the conversation. I'm on there myself on FaceTime Lives. And we have a lot of communications and questions about the show, and I'd love to see you there. And it's free. People ask me all the time, where am I on social media? I'm real easy to find. Just type in my name. My IG is I am Pat Hyben. It is blowing up on Instagram, adding tons of subscribers. And I'm on there probably twice a day. So definitely follow me on Instagram, as well as everywhere else. Thanks again for listening, and keep rocking. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.